From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. Why so downcast, oh my soul, put your hope in God Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Second Corinthians 4, 8, and 9 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And I love the verse, uh, Romans eight eighteen that goes along with this thought. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And I just got back yesterday from preaching a sermon in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. It was on 1 Samuel chapter 30 when uh, David and his men returned after three days, a three-day journey to their home city of Ziklag, and it was burned with fire. Um, the Amalekites had taken their wives and their children, and they were exhausted. These mighty men of God, or these mighty men, at least these warriors uh, in David's um, fighting men, they were crying their eyes out. Literally, it says they, they, they wept until there was no more strength in them to weep. So this is an interesting story, but the bottom line is verse six, David responded after he was really shaken up. He was, of course, exhausted with his men. And his his uh, family was gone. He didn't have a place to live. And it says, and plus, the people were talking about stoning him because they blamed him that um, they were away from the city. Doing, you know, and th- anyway, he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That's the point. First Samuel thirty verse six. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And then we hopefully remember the rest of this story. He went to inquire of the high priest, and God said, pursue. And Because David said, should I go after these, um, these men, these, these people that uh, ransacked the city, burnt it down, and took our wives and children? And God said, pursue, and you will recover everything, which is amazing in and of itself. But the bottom line, um, one translation says, David encouraged himself. In the Lord his God. So I just wanted to share a little piece of that message that I, uh, God put on my heart yesterday, uh, to preach. But anyway, it's a headline show today. A lot, there's so much going on. I'm going to go through the headlines and then we're going to open in prayer. In fact, let's do that first. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you that your mercies are new today. Great is your faithfulness. You are so, um, sovereign and powerful and all knowing and, and compassionate and merciful. And your word says your loving kindness is everlasting. Thank you, Father, for giving us everything we need for life and for godliness. Thank you for your word of truth. Thank you when we are going through hard times, Lord, which we will in this life. We're promised that, that you comfort us. And then when we get beyond those hard times and move on with our lives, we are able to comfort other people that are going through hard times. So use us, Lord, even today, use us to minister to someone in our life and use us to minister through 
your word, through compassion, through just being a listening ear. Our Holy Spirit, we just ask that you direct us, direct our steps. Thank you, God, for another day. And we praise you for your goodness. We praise you for your plan. We look forward, Jesus, to your return. And we just thank you for hope today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's start with the Girl Scouts. Actually, I'm going to just go through the um, headlines. Girl Scouts more liberal than ever. What? They're involved in Pride Month? How could that be? There's, I bring up the question, uh, what would our great-grandparents think? When we talk about things like that, they remember the Girl Scouts, right? Were they around then? Yeah. Um, so some other headlines. California woman sues doctors who cut off her breasts at 13 after online influencers convinced her she was transgender. Next headline, federal judge to look at case where social media censored COVID information. Oh, my goodness. We'll talk about that. Rand Paul, God bless him, senator from Kentucky, rips Bill Gates' alleged tie to gain-of-function research, funding the biggest danger to mankind, Rand Paul says. And, and one of those stories that uh, is under the category, nothing to see here, move along. Hunter Biden associate Devin Archer is cooperating with lawmakers and will testify on $10 million Biden-Ukraine bribe. Yep, the laptop comes up again. And... My article for this week, Rejecting God but Claiming to be Happy, Youth Suicide Rates Spike. Next headline, Bank of America will spend half a billion dollars on what? Diversity initiatives, of course. New York schools told to keep children's gender identities secret from families. Faithwire, this is a good good one. In fact, we should start with this. We're having a fetus. Powerful campaign exposes antiseptic scientific terms used to dehumanize a child. Um, New estimate finds $420 billion in fraud and waste in COVID-19 spending. Kids are being totally programmed, says actor Kirk Cameron's um, message recently to Christian parents about the education crisis, and he's got a brand new book coming out. You know what it's called? Have you heard about this? Kirk Cameron, God bless him. The book is called... Pride Comes Before the Fall, children's book. And American Family Association, no one's doing anything to stop the biggest heartbreak in the world, and it's talking about Christians in Africa and just the slaughter that is going on there. Um, So let's start with going back to that uh, Focus on the Family commercial. If you watch it, it's really... It's, it's, it plays a trick on your mind because it says one thing, but their expressions are so normal. For example, a woman coming out of the bathroom holding up a pregnancy test, all excited, and the husband comes up and says, well, and she says, you're, yes, we're having a fetus. And the whole commercial is like this. It's either 30 or 60 seconds, and uh, it's focused on the family. They're unveiling this pro-life ad, and it's going to f- just force people to pause Ponder and reflect how language is used to describe the unborn. It's a 60-second spot. It's called It's Still a Baby. It's Still a Baby. It showcases individuals and families discussing unborn children in various heartwarming scenarios. After, uh, Rather than using the term baby, of course, this is how they're doing it. Each scene is, is awkwardly and intentionally featuring pregnant mothers, expectant mothers, and fathers saying fetus. Another one says, it's positive. 
Um, and then there's another one, a woman, uh, you know, gets in the back of her car unloading groceries and her t-shirt says fetus on board. You know, some cars or things say baby on board, fetus on board. Um, the narrator says, call it what you want, but the truth does not change. So Jim Daly said his organization is always looking for ways to send a compelling message. And he says the culture has gotten too comfortable using antiseptic scientific terms to dehumanize a child in the womb. We wanted to challenge that by plainly and simply showing in situations we're familiar with that it's a baby. To call it anything else just doesn't make sense. So kudos to focus on the family. Now, Planned Parenthood, I'm sorry, I interesting, I said that. Um, our friends at One Million Moms sent us an update on the Girl Scouts organization. Uh, of course, we know they've been on a moral decline for a long time. They support abortion, sex ed, similar to that of Planned Parenthood and the LGBTQ agenda. In fact, girls who participate, young girls, some as young as kindergarten, can now earn a rainbow-striped fun patch if they complete LGBTQ-themed activities as part of Pride Month. That's right. The organization, the Girl Scouts, has it on their website. Uh, so before starting the activities, though, the girls must familiarize themselves with the appropriate terminology, right? This is programming, such as gay, lesbian, bisexual, queer identity, those terms and concepts are provided by GLSEN, Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. Girl Scouts. By the way, did you know the local troops, Girl Scouts make an average of 10% to maybe 20% of the revenue from Girl Scout cookie sales? Where does the other 80 or 90% go? Have you ever thought about that? You who are addicted to Girl Scout cookies, come on. So that means the Girl Scouts USA organization collects a royalty payment based on its trademark, and a lot of that money goes towards pushing these agendas. It's a conscience issue, friends. Uh, I'm not saying you're a sinner and you're going to hell if you eat Girl Scout cookies. Don't <laughs> misunderstand. I mean, we have, as consumers, though, we want to be faith driven consumers. We have decisions to make regarding what products we buy, who we give our money to. Are you going to tar are you shopping at Target anymore? Are you going to Starbucks, McDonald's, um, Bank of America? Let's go to that story. I found that to be very interesting. Um, Bank of America will spend a half billion dollars on diversity initiatives. They just announced this. Um, so let's talk about what what the heck? Diversity. Let so it will ultimately help us toward achieving our goal to advance racial equality and economic opportunity. That's right. We've talked a lot about DEI in recent months in the last couple of years. The explosion of that tyranny. They're using DEI across the country, starting in universities, colleges, schools, and now corporations. They're using DEI, well-meaning, well-sounding, <laughs> to mask tyranny. So... The bank has recently drawn the ire of Republican politicians and conservative organizations like Consumers Research. They launched an ad campaign earlier this month criticizing Bank of America's environmental, social, and governance policies. You've heard that before, right? 
we need to remind you, ESG, environmental, social, and governance policies. They are committed to climate change. The earth is in trouble, and it's the fault of human beings and overpopulation. They are into the social justice agenda. Anything before justice is not justice, right? Because God is a God of justice. So social justice, let's be clear. How about if we said, I want, um, I want, uh, pumpkin pie justice. I don't just make, I'm making this up, right? There's no such thing. But I can make it sound good. Hey, yeah, pe- people are discriminated against because they like pumpkin pie and pumpkin spice lattes. I want justice. But they sell this and the more they repeat it and repeat it and repeat it, people buy into it and start going along with it. Okay, so June 7, this came out and, oh, I forgot governance. This is how they govern. The bank has brought China's social credit system to American soil. Let me say that again. Bank of America. We, years ago, my wife and I had an account there, a couple accounts there. We found out about their political activism and their hyper-Marxism and their policies at Bank of America. We bolted as soon as we possible. Now, I mean, the bank, one of the banks we're with, now we've got to get rid of that one too. But it's just a matter of time before you run out of options, right, when it comes to corporate nonsense but the DEI agenda. So they brought China's social credit system to American soil by using arbitrary ESG metrics, environmental, social, governance, to potentially lock individuals and businesses out of key banking services. Have you heard about this? Let's go back and just mention something you may not be familiar with. Jim Jordan, God bless him, uh, representative from Ohio, sent a letter to Bank of America last week expressing concerns about privacy violations and collusion between B of A and the FBI that took place around the January 6th Capitol riot. Now, remember, we're going back two years now. In 2021, the Gateway Pundit reported that Bank of America searched through customers' data and transaction records and provided these data to the FBI following the insurrection, the great insurrection. The country's second largest bank gave data and information to the feds at the request of the U.S. government without the knowledge or consent of its customers. We're going to see more of that. So that's B of A. Now, let's go to this headline with the California woman who's suing doctors. When Kayla Lovedahl was only 11 years old, doctors wanted her to entertain the notion of having surgery to cut off her breasts after online influencers, and boy, there's a lot out there, right, gave her the erroneous belief that she was transgender. At 13, doctors removed her breasts. Kayla is now 18. She's suing Kaiser Foundation Hospitals and four doctors for pushing ideological and profit-driven medical abuse. She alleges that she underwent only 75 minutes of evaluation with doctors ignoring her severe mental issues before sending her down the path to mutilation. In other words, of the lawsuit, they handed Kayla the prescription pad and allowed her naive, emotional, childish, childish 
roller coaster of feelings to dictate the so-called treatment that she would receive. Kayla detransitioned a year ago, but suffers, quote, deep physical and emotional wounds and severe regrets. There's a website, um, Walt Heyer, former transgender, he's done a lot of speaking on this issue. Years and years ago, he detransitioned. And it's called sexchangeregret.com, I believe, sexchangeregret. You can Google it or Google Walt Heyer, H, I believe it's H-Y-E-R. Um, you'll get a lot of information there because there's a lot of tr- detransitioners now, but they're not getting the attention of the media. Why? Because the media is in on this, Right. Let's go to the next one. Federal judge to look at case where social media censored COVID information. This is according to the Wall Street Journal. Now, this is legit, but you think, uh, tell us something we don't know and report back to us when there's any progress, right? So a federal judge is set to decide whether the Biden administration, in their efforts to stamp out disinformation, meaning anyone who didn't believe with their radical uh, Marxist ideologies and their information that the administration, the propaganda that the Biden Democrats and social justice activists were putting out, um, whether that crossed a line into coerced censorship. And if so, what should be done about it? Here, what, two, three years later? What should be done about it? This is the thing that kind of drives me crazy because you're thinking, okay, well, where's the justice? We're three years after this. The people have gone on, and there's no accountability. But yet, yet here we go. The case is among the most potentially consequential First Amendment battles pending in the courts, testing the limits on government policing of social media content. Republican attorneys general of Missouri and Louisiana brought the lawsuit last year, <laughs> alleging that the Biden administration fostered a sprawling federal censorship enterprise. That's their words that pressured social media platforms to scrub away dissenting views on everything from COVID-19 health policies to election security. And of course they, they've done it with the transgender ideology as well. We know, we know exactly where they stand. You can hear it in their own words. You can see it in their own policies. They've taken sides. And Americans, parents, Christians, conservatives, you better be paying attention. We know exactly where they stand, right? They're not trying to hide it anymore. So what we're seeing in America, I've said this many, many times, it is communist policy. When you censor the other side and squelch the opposition, silence them, attack your political enemies some way, just suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You're suppressing the truth. When you do that, and you put out your talking points and your policies and only your worldview gets the media's attention or gets their ear, that's communist policy. We have that in America. I'm really sad to say that, but it's true. So it's called the case is Missouri versus Biden. It's among dozens of so-called censorship by proxy lawsuits challenging account suspensions, content removals, and other suppression of social media posts on First Amendment grounds. Be watching for these because some of these cases come down to who's the judge, right? Who's the federal judge or who's the judge presiding and who nominated the judge? 
Okay, so the Wall Street Journal reported on that one. Now, let's talk about Rand Paul ripping Bill Gates. Go, Rand! <laughs> so, um, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul called for accountability on both the U.S. and China's parts in wreaking havoc on the world by allegedly fostering an environment for the COVID-19 virus to jump species and spread across the world. So, an exclusive interview yesterday. Um, was it yesterday? Rand Paul called for slashing gain-of-function research. Quote, The blame equally should go not only to Chinese authorities, but to Anthony Fauci and all those who advocated for this. Look, Bill Gates has been over there recently. Bill Gates is the largest funder of trying to find these viruses in remote caves and bring them to big cities. What happened in China is they went 8 to 10 hours south of Wuhan, 2 to 300 feet deep into a cave, found viruses, and took them back to a city of 15 million people. So the Kentucky, the Kentucky, the Kentucky senator said, though Bill Gates might be well-intentioned, and I wouldn't even go that far because we know he's into population control, and we just know by his actions and his own words, he could have his hands in funding the biggest danger to mankind, says Rand Paul. They bring viruses that we may never interact with. They bring them back to the lab, but then they manipulate them by combining them with other viruses to create viruses that don't exist in nature. This has largely been funded by Bill Gates, fact, who funds the WHO, World Health, World Health Organization, more than most countries do. In other words, Bill Gates is giving more money to these globalists and these socialists than a lot of countries give. So Rand Paul says there's responsibility there. Going back to Fauci, he repeated his accusations that Fauci played a role in an elaborate cover-up involving gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, allegedly funded by the NIH, National Institutes of Health. Quote, he knew from the very beginning not only was he funding the Wuhan research, but he was going around the regulatory apparatus to let it happen. This is a man, Anthony Fauci, who said in 2012, did you hear that? 2012, 11 years ago, that this kind of research to create new viruses was so important that even if a pandemic should take place, that it would be worth the knowledge. I think there's several million people, particularly a million Americans, who would question whether that was good judgment. And there's more, but the article is over at Fox News. We'll share that uh, hopefully in the podcast notes today. Now let's talk about Hunter Biden. I mean, I, I wrote my book, Canceling Christianity, in the beginning of 2021. The end of 2020, early 2021, it came out. And I wrote about this, the Hunter Biden laptop, and the, and the, the fact that the media hid that. Literally. I mean, there's, go to the Media Research Center, Brent Bozell. They, they've done uh, research on this, and they've done surveys. There are, I don't remember what the number is, but there are a number of American voters who said, had they known the truth about this Biden family corruption before voting in the 2020 election, they either may not have voted at all or wouldn't have voted for the Democrats, wouldn't have voted for Joe Biden. 
Isn't that interesting? We talk about voter fraud and things like that, but we're just talking about basically the, the media and what they choose to report or not report. This is bias by omission because they're omitting stories that will impact people's perceptions of government or candidates, in this case, Joe Biden. But Hunter Biden's former associate and convicted felon, Devin Archer, is reportedly cooperating with lawmakers, and he will testify. Uh Uh-oh. I hope he has 24-7 guards around him. Um, He will testify on the $10 million Ukraine-Biden bribe. House Oversight Chairman James Comer is currently investigating Joe Biden's bribery scheme involving a Ukrainian oligarch and Burisma Holdings. The Ukraine-Biden bribery evidence was first presented to the FBI by a trusted, highly credible, well-paid informant back in 2017. 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. We're in 2023. That was six years ago when evidence was presented to the FBI. Six years ago. Sorry. Back to this. The, no, I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. The bribery allegations involve Mikola Zlochevsky, the Ukrainian oligarch who hired Hunter Biden to serve on the board of Burisma Holdings. Devin Archer worked with Hunter Biden as a board member of Burisma Holdings. And it's a Ukrainian gas company run by Zlochevsky. Archer and Hunter Biden together also ran Rosemont Seneca, a D.C., Washington, D.C.-based investment firm. The plot thickens. It is believed Hunter Biden received classified information from Joe Biden on Ukraine and then emailed the information to his business partner, Devin Archer. These were emails that recovered, they were uncovered, I should say, from the laptop from hell, in quotes, It's there. There's the evidence. How many six years ago presented to the FBI? So it appears Hunter Biden was emailing Devin Archer information that he received from a briefing from his dad, Joe Biden, or directly from top secret documents. Okay, there's more to this story. That is at the Gateway Pundit. Uh, Hunter Biden associate Devin Archer cooperating with lawmakers will testify at $10 million Biden Ukraine bribe. I've just got four minutes left, but I want to um, do this one. Um, there's a short one here. Yeah. Um, okay, that's too long. Okay, Kirk Cameron, God bless him. Kids today, totally programmed. He's got a message to Christian parents. He's warning about simply sending children to public schools. I mean, gosh, you know. You know at this point. I'm not saying all students, I mean, all school teachers are demonic or depraved or Democrat. As far as Democrats go, I would, I would say 85%, but I could be wrong. But you know the agenda going on. You know the ideology of the National Education Association. You know that. We are aware of that. We've heard the news stories. We've read. We've done the, we've done the research. You, you've understood the direction of the propaganda and indoctrination within the public schools since the early 1960s when they removed God, the Bible, prayer, the name of Jesus, and eventually 
kicked out the Ten Commandments as well. So that leaves a pretty stinking big void when you remove God and his word and the biblical worldview and biblical morality, that leaves a huge gaping void. Something's got to fill that. And friends, something has. If you don't protect your children and teach them the biblical worldview and who, who God is, the world and the education system will teach them everything God is not. And everything that they will believe will be against the biblical worldview. And we're seeing it. In fact, when we come back, I'm going to skip the Kirk Cameron story. Um, I'm going to talk about how young people are more depressed than ever before and the suicide rates are spiking. And there's reasons for that. And there's research that has come out. So I think we need to shift and go to that story because education is such a huge issue. And if you do not follow... Alex Newman, please look him up at Liberty Sentinel, Freedom Project Media, The Newman Report, um, The New American. Look up Alex Newman. Start with the Liberty Sentinel. And, in fact, he's got an article, article over at Harbinger's Daily right now. Right now he's got an article over there at Harbinger's Daily. So go look that up. It's called, and this is, happens to be on UNESCO, a vehicle for injecting occult spirituality into classrooms worldwide. Like I said, friends, you remove God and the biblical worldview, anything goes. More coming up on Stand Up for the Truth in just a minute. Feedback, questions, and topic suggestions are always appreciated. Email us at comments at standupforthetruth.com. So, Kirk Cameron said... Uh, the uh, parents and you know kids especially they're unprepared for the hyper secular situation they'll encounter when they go into the government run schools and i know forgive me i'm just going to take a minute or two here for being redundant because we talk about this a lot and we're just warning um there are different reasons some families i understand you just feel like you can't um take your kids out of the schools whether it's uh, both parents working or other demands on your lives but i'm just relaying the information we know what's going on in the schools we know there's an agenda and it is deep. It is DEI on steroids. And it's LGBTQ plus across the board. But he said, Kirk Cameron, uh, some parents say, well, Christian parents, they're in the mission field of the public school, the, the kids. Um, and they're justifying their apathy about the, their children's spiritual formation by calling them evangelists. So let's stop right there. Um, when you... Send your kids into a, a field that you might not even be able to handle. I'm not sure that's a good idea, but uh, he said this. By the way, his new book is a kid's book, Kirk Cameron's kid's book. It's called Pride Comes Before the Fall, and he's been going to libraries and <laughs> reading that. <laughs> good for him. Um, so he said, children aren't equipped to deal with what they will encounter in the government-run school system. He says, you don't throw children onto a battlefield in Iraq. First, you must train them, equip them, show them how to use the weapons they've been given, identify the enemy, and only fight as a last resort. And that's what we need to be doing as parents. That's our sacred trust that God's given us. So protect your kids. Watch out. And if, if they are in public schools, please 
You've got to have those lines of communication open. You've got to watch their social media. You've got to know who their friends are. There's so much, so many influences. Remember we talk about that concept, hours and hours of influence. How much time are you investing with your children, pouring into them compared to the world, social media, their friends, culture, the entertainment industry, Hollywood, public schools, government, corporations. All right, now let's go to this one that I talked about, rejecting God but claiming to be happy. Youth suicide rates spike. So today's research proves that um, youth are not happy, a lot of them. Are they in denial, or have they just become conditioned to believe lies about what makes them happy? Let's get to the bottom of this. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for individuals aged 5 to 24 years old. That's in the U.S. Around the globe, destructive thoughts are more common among young people who don't believe in anything spiritual, are uncertain about their beliefs, or don't believe in Jesus. So let me, let me say that again. Destructive thoughts and behaviors are more common among children or young people who don't have faith or that spiritual foundation. Two more studies reveal today's modern post-truth generation. They're at a higher risk, risk for increased suicidal thoughts and destructive behavior than ever before in history. Why? Do you hear do you hear people and analyze this very often? Why that is? One researcher suggests that the primary cause of destructive behavior can be a lack of faith in God, along with nonstop sexual indoctrination and propaganda, or what we might call lies, delusion, deception. Dr. Arne Cole is a director of research at the Center for Bible Engagement. He said, They've been concerned about children abandoning Christianity because he knows what happens when you go down that other road or the, those other pathways that lead away from God. The new research explores the impact of young people and increased social media use, increased mental health problems, and decreased engagement with faith. So recent data, for example, shows 55-0% of middle and high school girls report feeling Hopeless and depressed. More than half the world seems to be winning, friends. What, what are we doing differently? What can we learn from this? Well, Dr. Cole said the shocking results of his research exposes signs that parents and faith leaders must address. Quote, one conclusion, quote, The further away they get from Jesus, the more lost they are. There's no basis then for anything. Nothing really makes sense. They become much more confused. End quote. Does that sound like common sense to everybody else? Come on. To me, that's common sense. To you, yeah, probably is common sense as well. The further they get, if they were brought up with some sort of understanding of God, faith, Jesus, the further they move away from that, the more lost there's no basis for anything. Nothing makes sense. They become more confused because then you've got to find some sort of something to latch on to, right, from the world. And that's part of the demonic plan, isn't it? 
Let's be clear about two things. God is not the author of confusion, and Satan is the father of lies. Tell children there is no God, that their lives are just random. Maybe their lives are accidental. The purpose of life is pleasure. Teach them their country is evil. The world can make them happy. That they evolved from apes. That maybe they're born in the wrong body, or maybe they can be whatever sex they choose. What could go wrong? Well, this study involved 4,700 teenagers in Australia, Brazil, Canada, India, Indonesia, Japan, Singapore, the UK, and the US. And according to a different study now, it's called Youth Risk Behavior. Listen to this. LGBTQ teenagers were three times more likely to consider suicide than their heterosexual peers and more likely to follow up. In other words, to make suicide plans and attempts. The CDC study, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, also exposed the fact that nearly 6 in 10 students, 58%, nearly 6 in 10, who had same-sex partners considered suicide. Did you hear that? Let me say that again. Nearly 6 in 10 students in 2021 who were gay or lesbian, they had same-sex partners. 6 in 10 considered suicide. Why? I thought that lifestyle was supposed to make you happy and fulfilled. Um, let's, let's go on, though. Um, youth identifying as LGBTQ who had same-sex partners were also more likely to make plans and attempt to kill themselves, not just think about it. The, I, this is so sad, guys. That's why I wrote this article this week. It's, it's, it's tragic is what it is. What's, what's happening in the world? God forbid it has gotten into the church and Christian children. In case you're wondering about the numbers, by the way, in comparison, you think, well, what about straight kids? What about kids who only had opposite sex partners, male, female? Well, 26% of them are depressed and had suicidal thoughts, 26%. Again, that's compared to nearly 60% of LGBTQ youth. Okay, so there's your perspective. Now, you may also be thinking this. Well, what about COVID? How much did COVID play into this? And the isolation, the depression, the government lockdowns and all that, the, the, the mask nonsense, the fear-mongering of the media, did that play into this? Nope. How can you say that so confidently, David? Because the numbers here from the CDC are a decade of data from 2011 to 2021. That's a 10-year time frame, right? So all of this was going up and, and, and increasing in 2011, 2012, 2013, and on. So it makes sense then, cultures obsessed with sex, along with pride propaganda and programming, seem to be ignored factors leading to depression, confusion, anger, and even suicide attempts. And we've got the data to back it up. But the problem is not enough media outlets will talk about this because they're on the bandwagon. You can't go back now. They are too invested. So are corporations. So is the government, the universities, and the and the education system, they're too invested to go back now, even though they know kids are killing themselves. And I mean literally. And more are thinking about it. So, and by the way, 
we've got to say this here. Please don't allow the left to blame believers, conservatives, or Christians for believing what the Bible teaches about God, creation, gender, male, female, roles, his design, his order. Don't let them blame you and your, quote, hate or phobias for them being unhappy. Let's move on. The Bible says God, our creator and designer, loves us. He gives us reasons for living. He offers us hope in this life and beyond, by the way, through faith in Jesus Christ. Satan, on the other hand, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He hates human beings. He hates the fact that we are made in, in the image of God. Um, so, when different variables are combined in these two studies and they look at different things to come to these conclusions in their research, it's clear how strong the destructive behavior becomes and how suicidal tendencies increase. It's not hard to figure out, okay? Interestingly, the negative behaviors among teenagers were more common in the U.S. and in the U.K., which suggests the transgender and the sexual confusion in the West may have quite a bit to do with the results, among other related factors, with depression, suicidal tendencies, and suicidal attempts. Again, this started with the possible tie between a lack of faith in God, a lack of spiritual development, and that tied to more destructive thoughts, is a key point that should cause alarm since we all know culture is moving further and further away from truth and God-centered living. So more young people today are experiencing what's said to be suicidality. That means they not only have destructive suicidal thoughts, but they, some of them make plans to carry it out. And again, we're talking about a, this is a 60% increase in the past 10 years. So a couple other stats real quick. We need to move on to the next article. Overall, 22% of high school students, 22% say they seriously considered suicide within the past year. Sadly, these um, stats include 30% of females, 3 in 10, and nearly a quarter of them made a plan, 24%. So one more thing about social media, because that was another part of this study. One of the variables, um, godless influences, our entertainment-driven, high-tech society. Teenagers reportedly, or they are, they're reporting the daily use of social media, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram. For starters, factor into that mix their peers, their friends who come from non-Christian homes, their teachers, woke corporations, Woke is Marxism on steroids. In fact, it's Maoism. We'll, we'll talk about that again in a future podcast, Lord willing. Government and secular progressive culture. Here we are. You put all those together and we can see the influences, right? So let's not fail to address the likely causes that are right in front of our noses if we just look at what's happening. Um, what does the American Academy of Pediatrics recommend? They say health providers should screen kids 12 and under for suicide risk. Well, that's a step, right? That's something that can be done. Um, 
things like that could help treat these the symptoms, right, but not the root of the problem. We're talking about the root. We like to look at causes here. We like to step back and look at big picture, big picture, worldview, what's going on. It's a worldview war. Um, so Jesus Christ, we know the only solution beyond individual repentance from sin and a return to God by nations and the church. Let's move on to the next story. We're in New York. Schools are told to keep children's gender identities secret from families. In some cases now, New York schools, public schools. Don't think that New York, California, Illinois, <laughs> Oregon, um, don't think they're disconnected to your state's education system. Why? Because we've got, we've got a federal Department of Education. We've got the National Education Association. So just because you're looking over all the way over to New York, depending on where you live, <laughs> if you're in Rhode Island or Maine, you're looking down at New York, um, just because you're looking at New York doesn't mean that it's not going on in schools in your states, right? New York is not out on its own. Well, sometimes they are. But anyway, there's the New York State Education Department released 42 pages of new guidance for public schools uh, last week that includes a section about keeping children's gender transitions, which there is no such thing, biblically, and from an aspect of truth and biology, there is no such thing. But New York wants to keep children's gender transitions a secret from parents in some cases. So the, the report is titled, Creating a Safe, Supportive, and Affirming School Environment for Transgender and Gender Expansive Students. Gosh, oh my goodness. Safe spaces, safe environment. So you're, they're cutting off genitals or breasts or whatever, and that's a safe environment. They're wanting to inject children with drugs, hormones. That's a safe environment. They're lying to children and doing things that their parents, in many cases, would not approve of, and that's a safe environment. Okay, I got it. I think I got it now. So it maintains that a student's gender identity should be based on the student's own assertion and that administrators should keep such information from families if they deem it necessary. What does that mean? If a teacher or an administrator thinks, maybe you better not tell your mom and dad, we'll, we'll, we'll keep this just to ourselves. If they deem it necessary for the child's health, that's what that means. The guidance also said that the student, quote, is in charge of their gender transition, and the school's role is to provide support for this transition. That's just... Do we need to go back? Let me go to Webster's 1828 Dictionary and look up the word education and define that again. What does education mean? So that's that's the school's role to, to, to provide support when a young child thinks they should transition, quote-unquote. So let's move on. This story is just too infuriating. All right. Um, okay, here's another related story from the Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, this one, we did a story over at uh, Freedom Project Media a couple weeks ago on a program called Educated. Um, school forbids 12-year-old from wearing a T-shirt. What did the T-shirt say? There's only two genders. 
<laughs> that's, but that's hate speech now. I shouldn't be laughing. That's really sad. So a Massachusetts school has censored a seventh grader for wearing a shirt that expresses biological truth. So let me, let me just clarify. You can wear shirts with Che Guevara or any LGBTQ um, emblem or pride thing or whatever. You, you can wear anything like that. You can wear, I, I'm, I'm proud, my, my, whatever, uh, abortion, everything. You can wear all these different T-shirts, but you can't say this. There's only two genders. No, 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 no. Not in the government-run schools in America. So this debate, of course, is raging of what it means to be human, what makes a person a man, what makes a person a woman. Our Constitution guarantees freedom of thought and the freedom to share your beliefs. Now, we know that some on the left, many on the left, don't abide by or don't believe in the Constitution, the governing document of our country. But 12-year-old Liam Morrison's school has decided that you can't have that debate. There, there is no debate. The government orthodoxy is in, and that includes in the public, government-run, Marxist-driven school system and the curriculum. So he's a 12-year-old at Nichols Middle School in Middleborough, Massachusetts. He quietly observed how the school proclaimed loudly that a person's feelings, not their biology, determines their sex and gender. Now, friends, that's in most schools USA. Again, most schools USA, they're proclaiming and, and teaching that a person's feelings, a child's feelings, or how they identify, not their biology, and certainly not God's word, determines their sex and gender. So Liam had different beliefs. He probably comes from a Christian home. Um, he is informed, by the way, by a scientific understanding of, of biology and backed by millennia of human history. He believes there's only two genders, or only two sexes, male and female, and that a person's gender is inseparable from their sex. So one day, he wore a t-shirt to school that says, there are only two genders. So the principal of the school, along with a school counselor, pulled Liam out of class and ordered him to remove his shirt or go home. He politely declined and was sent home. By the way, I saw this young man, uh, how confident and intelligent and and in. He was speaking at a school board meeting to the school board about this. But anyway, public school officials cannot censor a seventh grader's speech by forcing him to remove a shirt that states a scientific fact. This is a violation of the First Amendment. I'm gonna, we're going to follow this case. So let's stand with this brave seventh grader as he challenges his school's violation of free speech. And uh, he said they completely took away my ability to have a different opinion than what they wanted me to have. Communist policy. Remember, friends, this isn't about a T-shirt. This isn't about just what you say or what you wear. It's, it goes much deeper. So it's a public school. Let's just say government telling Liam and thereby all other students that he can't wear a shirt with a message that's important to him if it doesn't submit to the propaganda, the talking points, the same opinion as the government's or the public schools. They're forcing a student or students across the country to forfeit, forfeit their free speech, and they're imposing their views, talking points, propaganda, 
and censoring the opposite po- opposing views, the views that disagree. Okay, so that's Alliance defending freedom. That's a suit going on now. This is where we are. All right, what we didn't get to today because we're down to just a couple minutes here. What we didn't get to: a new estimate finds 420 billion in fraud and waste in COVID-19 spending. I, I'm sorry, guys. This fraud is off the charts. There's there there. You need a thousand people to investigate this. They just don't have enough manpower. But $420 billion in COVID-related spending may have been wasted through fraud and corruption, according to a new report. The Justice Department's acting director for COVID-19 fraud enforcement, his name is Mike Galdo, um, he says there, it's, this is an unprecedented amount of fraud. Over $5.2 trillion, by the way, was allocated for COVID-19 relief or COVID-19-related uh, relief, and that's according to the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee. And this is another one of those stories of the nothing to see here, move along. Um, so now briefly, I need, oh, wish I had more time. Um, we're going to take up some of these tomorrow. We're going to do a show. Mary Danielson and I will do more news, more headlines, more worldview issues. Um, this is from a while back, a couple at least a few weeks ago, about what some are calling the biggest heartbreak in the world that the media is not reporting. Anti-persecution groups are waiting to see if, if the White House will actually do anything to help save Christian lives in Nigeria. But wait a minute, Biden administration, I thought black lives mattered. Well, apparently not in Africa, because it's the largest nation. They're continuing to be terrorized, kidnapped, murdered. 5,000 Nigerian Christians were murdered last year alone. An additional 1,000 were killed within the first 100 days of this year. The U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom has once again recommended that the State Department in America establish Nigeria as a country of particular concern. It was established, and, and notice was given under the Trump administration, by the way. And the minute, the minute the Biden Democrats came on board, it was less than a year, and they removed the status of Nigeria being a country of particular concern with no explanation. I thought they cared. I thought they were the party of compassion. So we're talking about refugees, people that have fled. They have no place to go. It's the biggest heartbreak in the world, some are saying, um, as far as the international religious freedom issue and uh, it's it, Christians. Again, that headline, at least 5,000 Nigerian Christians were murdered last year. 1,000 in the first couple months of this year. The Biden administration turning a blind eye. Um, anyway, we'll leave it at that. Much more to come uh, tomorrow with Mary Danielson. We'll catch up on some stories from over the weekend and some things we've been wanting to discuss for the last several weeks. You'll hear a replay on Wednesday Scott Lively, pastor, he's got solutions to Pride Month and how to push back. Troublemaker Scott Lively on Thursday joins us. And then you'll hear from Todd Nettleton, Voice of the Martyrs, on Friday. God bless you, friends. Thanks for tuning in and for sharing the podcast. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.